I got my um, knockoff Stanley Cup from Amazon. This one is a Drinko from Amazon. Ooh, Drinko. For those parents who realize that $600 isn't too much to spend to expand their child's world, Radio Shack has the perfect gift. The TRS-80 computer, the most significant investment a parent can make. Programs for your child's education or your business, finance, and home use. Let your children discover tomorrow's technology today. The TRS-80, the biggest name in little computers. Only at Radio Shack. Cameron, I'm thrilled that you're my partner in this because this is our first episode of this like new thing we're doing called This Week in Tech History. And I can't think of anyone better to do it with who's just like curious and insightful. Yeah, it was a little bit random of a topic at first. And then once I started kind of looking through it. This is all new for me. I'm excited um, for our like three dedicated listeners. I'm excited for them to uh, realize how like not with like tech history I am. Like all of this is going to be very new to me. So I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's a bit of a game show. Yeah, it is kind of like a game show where Cameron knows everything and he quizzes me. I wouldn't I... say that. Cameron just knows like kind of random things that sometimes string together. You're really good at the Friday. What did you learn? question so that's something yeah anytime it's like about um i wouldn't call it drama but i I definitely follow a lot of the tech bubbles that go on (laughs) the fun stories i do live for a little drama okay cameron i feel like i feel like what we need to do is just go ahead and read this history so that's what i'm gonna do that's how we're gonna kick things off but for our inaugural episode of this week in tech history this week in tech history, it wasn't even the release. It was the something important happened, and that thing had to do with the TRS-80. Radio Shack used space-age technology to create a compact computer for home and business. The TRS-80 microcomputer system. Record this much paperwork and more, all on inexpensive cassette tapes. Compute budgets, taxes, investments, payrolls, inventory. Ideal for home or business. It's easy to use, and Radio Shack makes it affordable. So here we go. Here's what happened. On February 2nd, 1977, Charles Tandy the CEO of Tandy Corporation, which owned Radio Shack, I did not know that, was shown the prototype of the TRS-80. Pause here, just for like a quick, quick reader's note. I thought we were talking about the calculator. That's what I thought. Yeah. What's the calculator called? Um, The TI, the Texas Instruments. I'm pretty familiar with it. Listeners, we're not talking about the calculator. We're talking about something else. The name stands for the Tandy Radio Shack and references the 8-bit Z80 microprocessor it housed. The original designer of the computer, okay, so it's a computer, Steve Leninger of the Homebrew Club, which is a future episode, so we'll talk about the Homebrew Club later, suggested the company could feasibly sell 50,000 of these teeny tiny little computers. Again, this is in 1977. That means my mom was drinking age. Sorry, mom, for telling everyone your age. I just like to like conceptualize what was happening, you know? The VP of manufacturing said that was horseshit, in quotes, direct quote from the VP of manufacturing, because Radio Shack had no history of selling high-value items like this $400 to $600 computer, which would be like, yeah, it's like $1,700 to like $2,600 in today's dollars. 
So he did not believe Steve, who was like, yeah, we're going to sell tens of thousands of these. But within a week, the company had 15,000 calls to order a computer, LOL calling to order things. And another 250,000 people putting down a $100 deposit to secure theirs in a future release for Model 1. That's bananas. The TRS-80 continued production with Models 2 and 3, eventually shelving it in 1981, so four years later, with over 2.4 million units sold. So just like a little bit more than 50,000. Today, there are upwards of 300 million personal computers purchased every year. We probably purchase like 100 million of those because our computers are always dying here. They are perhaps the most ubiquitous and enduring symbol of the growth of technology over the last 40 years. Um, And what was once seen as a frivolous and excessive expense has now become one of the most used tools in the world. That's kind of a big deal, actually. This like first, first tech history tidbit that we're getting into. Like the TRS-80 is a huge deal. Yeah, I don't know if, if that's the what they call the digital frontier or if the internet is the digital frontier, but I kind of equated it more to this just because things went from being physical to digital. Well, yeah, I was thinking before we got on, like the use of a computer was to compute things, right? To compute numbers. So a personal computer is taking the place of thousands of hours of math done by hand, essentially, right? Like there's no notion of connecting to the internet. There's no notion of like graphic design or like creating websites. So it's like mind boggling to me that in four years, over 2 million people were like, yeah, I need this thing to do math for me. I'm wondering also how early people started using it for writing because like I've never used a typewriter, but that just seems miserable. And I don't even know how you correct letters. So I think that's probably also a huge jump because I don't enjoy math. So not trying to do any math that's not necessary. <laughs> Word processors are definitely a thing. I do remember like growing up, I don't think my, I don't think my mom had high speed internet, like Wi-Fi until I was out of college. Like we would ha- I'd have to like go dial up on a desktop. And so I spent a lot of time on just like a computer that's not connected to the internet, right? I, I don't know if that was like maybe a little bit before your computer interaction, but like getting the going to Staples and picking out a new computer game and like you just run it locally and, you know, write all your essays on your word processor. Okay. So that, that tracks them. I can see why 2.4 million people would be like, yeah, give me that box. (laughs) The gaming that also is possibly like available. I think the gaming and probably the writing more than the math, just because um, being able to keep notes digitally or even write, like people that write books or, you know, do really extensive journaling. I can't imagine doing that by hand. Right. I know my hand. It's pathetic. I like write 10 Christmas cards and I have to ice it. <laughs> do you think these people knew what they were on to? Like, were they like, this is going to change everything about the way that people work and live. I mean, I think that was pretty obvious, just the fact that you could remove so many things from being physical um, into a computer. Like, the processing and the speed aside, maybe that was just kind of up for debate because it's, like, really unknown. But 
just making things more automated in that sense where you don't require the same like materials and physical energy. Mm-hmm. Cause it's even kind of the same way now where like there's certain things where a person is controlling a robot, but they're still kind of actively doing it. But the robot is taking on like a lot of the force and the weight and stuff like that. So I think it, it kind of falls into that category where that's really revolutionary, even if they're not thinking so forward, like, Oh, well one day the robot just will manage itself. Right. Or, everything crazy fast (laughs) i always wonder like innovations like this how can you know like how how can you know that there's going to be a use for literally everybody on the planet yeah and i think part of that is also um for the guy to not be very interested i i don't think that you can initially shut down um like a figure without doing market research I mean, nowadays, like everything has very extensive market research. Mm-hmm. Every single like startup comes and goes, oh, this is a X billion dollar market with this many and we're going to capture this percentage of the market share and it trickles down from there. And I'm sure that's just kind of like our modern version of marketing and concept of research and everything. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine that even back then, like I'm, I'm sure it rose more in like the corporate 80s, but even the 70s, somebody would have the sense to at least like research numbers just to yeah get a get a feel for it i want to just in like my own private time <laughs> this evening when i'm going down rabbit rabbit holes i want to look at their initial marketing because i think things that are insanely disruptive like the first personal computer it's very difficult to get that messaging right because what yeah. you're essentially saying is i'm going to make everything you do 10x easier And I think our instinct as humans is to be like, but I don't want to learn how to do that. And what I'm doing right now is fine. You know, like that's the, that's the struggle that every marketer runs up against, whether you're producing like hardware, software, a service. It's like, yeah. How do you convince people that it's 10 X better? So I'm very curious to see what Radio Shack had up their sleeve for this, uh, big release let the radio shack trs80 put the world of color computing into your home instant loading program packs turn any color tv into an exciting game arcade and there's more the color computer is an educational aid a home management tool and up to the minute electronic information service the programmable expandable trs80 color computer from 399 dollars only at radio shack the biggest name in little computers okay this is a huge gamble obviously radio shack produced what fifty thousand of these pcs um or no that was that was that was the original estimate that they blew out of the water. Right. What Steve thought that they could do. And the VP of <laughs> manufacturing was like that. But still, like, you know, it's a huge deal to launch something like this and to spend so much time, especially since this is a hardware product, right? You're not building software. You have to get it right the first time. Let's talk about other stories of huge bets that paid off or maybe did not pay off. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I follow a lot of the ones that go wrong sometimes more than the ones that go right just because we're not we're not that aware of them but i think some of the ones that went right i mean the most obvious ones would be i can think even in the last decade or two um sometimes apple makes a jump from like a product that everyone's very familiar and comfortable with and they just like create its sister product like you know they created the ipad to fill will create like a tablet market they chopped off the cords for the airpods 
both of those products kind of jumped off of an existing product and like were really ridiculed. I don't know if it was ridiculed legitimately or more just people making jokes of it with the, with the intention to still buy it, mm-hmm. which is obviously kind of what happened. Yeah. It's funny to me, just kind of the treatment and that just might be like our meme culture nowadays that we, we poke fun at everything, but I mean, the iPad, like it, it, there's, there's a very specific need now. If tablets were just gone, there would kind of be a void for that size of screen and kind of the functionality, like for artists, or, I don't know, coffee shops in their tablets. And then same thing with AirPods. People poked fun about how it's the same product without the cord, but like the point is you don't have the cord. So. Right. It's like, it's certainly an improvement, but it's not an innovation that's changing your life in some like massively meaningful way. That's only why I would say it's a gamble because it's not so revolutionary, but then it really, really took off and made them like billions of dollars that they made this thing, even though everyone, I mean, kind of like the Steve guy, I'm sure now they would say, well, there's all this research and people want, you know, they don't want the wires hanging. They need this size screen. Like there's a lot of intention behind it. And people's initial like scoff is just kind of like, well, that's stupid Yeah. (laughs) without any real thought behind it. But then they turn out to be right. So I think that's kind of why I was aligning those things. Cause even though it's not a big risk, it's like the initial Um, reaction is not very supportive but that's wrong i kind of feel like everything that has been market shaping and like habit changing on a massive scale was a risk right like if Mm. we're we can think about software which is kind of easy like slack slack had lots of false starts with other products that were not related to asynchronous communication but the notion that we're going to create an entirely new way of communicating at work, like that's a risk because people are so embedded in the systems that they're currently using, which are working fine. Like no one's thrilled about email, but nobody's like quitting their jobs because email is so bad or like shutting down their companies because email is so bad. But they also chose a very specific market that being companies like, social use where there's so many other competitors. But I think that that's kind of like a necessary ingredient for like innovation or like changing markets and habits is like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of a huge gamble. And there's to your Mm -hmm. point, there's like not always a way to like test the market, especially in 1970. What are we talking? 77. You know, what are you going to do? Send like flyers to people in the U S mail? Like how, how did market testing work? You don't have email campaigns where you can track like the opens and the conversions. And, and we have such an advantage now with all of the data tracking. And it's crazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely a market improvement. I also am always curious about, you know, obviously we do not have a time machine. I would love to have a time machine because I just would love to know at that time when they were producing, what was it? A three point, uh, eight bit processor. If we could go back in time and be like, Hey guys, actually like a, a 3.5 gigahertz is going to be average in 2023. I mean, I don't know how big they were dreaming, but I would have to assume that the folks at Radio Shack were not like, Oh yeah, this is just one, one small step towards 3.5 gigahertz. Sometimes we'll have interviews with clients where they're working on a very specific piece of tech and like they're kind of in their own little bubble and they have their use cases for it. But then I sit back and I'm thinking in the background, 
Um, Cause obviously I'm not a participant in the interview. I'm just kind of the host and taking some notes, but thinking about how just them progressing forward on the, on the playing field is inevitably going to bring other people that then tie that technology into their own. Everyone just kind of moves forward. And it's very interesting. So I also wonder sometimes in that sense where we judge them with a lot of like modern focus and thinking, Oh, well, how do they not consider this or imagine this? But I mean, they had like a very defined set of obstacles maybe. Mm. And so that's like what they were set on accomplishing or over overcoming obstacles. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now other people have taken that and built it into their own foundation and then taken it even more forward. So, I mean, phones off of computers is a huge example, especially like smartphones. Yeah. I mean, like, let's talk about all the things that would not be possible without the TRS-80. I mean, sometimes I even wonder how many um, appliances we have that have like digital clocks on your microwave or, you know, the Keurig where you can program the temperature. There's so many, I don't know how digital that is or not, but just when there's a screen interface, you kind of question how much of a computer is inside of the device or if it is just smaller mechanisms. Well, anything that's IoT, you know, is inherently like, at least in some small way, computing things and... I mean, obviously, like laptops, phones, desktops, maybe like 10 years ago, or for folks who are still using desktops, probably every developer who's listening, like all of this naturally comes from the first PC. So I think you're totally right. We can't be like poo-pooing on Radio Shack's (laughs) cute little little box computer. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure to put on the one person and the one focus. Right. It's like, why didn't you come out with the iPhone? (laughs) (laughs) Um, another one of the like really big examples that I recently learned about, um, cause I tend to watch a lot of little video essays on YouTube. Sometimes they're about business. Sometimes they're just about like other random pieces of history or like I said, like news stories. But I saw one that was about the rise of Starbucks. I'm a huge Starbucks fan. Starbies. <laughs> but one thing that's like very notable about them, not only how they kind of revolutionized the space with, um, making, like the coffee shop, such an experience versus more of like a drive-through where you just kind of got your coffee and left, which you can still do. But um, the way that they innovated the experience, but specifically like you think of now, you can mobile order. Um, there's a lot of app integration. It just like compared to some of the other competitors where it's more clunky to use their app. And then, you know, a lot of people buy gift cards and store money kind of in their account. And so one really crazy thing that I learned in that video was that Starbucks has more cash kind of on hand through people preloading their cards than a lot of banks do. No it's way. Because they have like several billion dollars of that pre-stocked um, money. Because once you load it in there, you can't remove it. It's in there for you to use. Yeah. That's kind of genius. Yeah. But it's it's like that, that all started from a coffee shop because they've kind of been at the forefront of the technology with building an app, building in, you know, a gift card function and a reward system. Things that a lot of other huge, huge billion dollar food companies are like dragging behind them. And some of them like kind of catch up in some places and then other ones just never really do. But it's really interesting to view them as a tech company because a lot of people like they'll obviously view them as a coffee establishment. But then like they're also an experience and then they're also a bank (laughs) in a sense. Now you can also view them as a technology company, which I'm not sure how much of that they invented themselves. But they've got one of the best functioning apps and experiences 
at least that like I commonly use. So that was very interesting to think just because that what I I would think is it was a huge gamble. That was part of the video. Mm -hmm. And the whole discussion was about Howard Schultz really, really believed when no one else wanted him to do it. Yeah. And, you know, they're a technology company and a, and a, financial institution basically like if you're holding people would have told him you're not going into banking sorry you're not <laughs> right yeah you're not going into computing for your coffee shop <laughs> i mean speaking of like being a technology company and folks not really thinking of you that way like i never i did not realize that radio shack was behind the first pc like in my mind radio shack is yeah, the last time I was in a Radio Shack was to buy my no skip disc man with the gift card I got when I was 13. And I guess, I mean, more recently, right, they've been in the news. Was it was it Radio Shack stock that was a thing or was it their social media manager? When they went bankrupt, they, this, this would be one yes. of those like those drama stories that I would follow. Yes, I'm <laughs> so glad we're doing this together. <laughs> they sold their what la- like assets they had left and so since it is such a household name someone bought the rights to the name mm. and with that they also transferred like the social media accounts because they have the legal i guess protection and so now then they started selling like i think it was nfts or something yeah in the crypto space but it was just funny that it wasn't the initial radio shack whatever it was i'm not sure if it was nfts but they just like they really this person was trying to spin up their whole new unrelated business. Mm. And it was tied to the star, not about to say Starbucks. It was tied <laughs> to the radio show. Thing. I love that. I don't know if poetic justice is the right word, but it just feels like a neat bow on the radio shack portion of history, releasing the first PC all the way into whatever the fuck happened last year, <laughs> the year before I'm thrilled for radio shack. This has been enlightening. I think it's also kind of as funny as like celebrity NFTs where they just sell like pictures of themselves or whatever. Like if they're, you know, a singer, they sell some type of digital song NFT or whatever it is. It's like some of these people are, have had careers of decades and decades. And then now they're at this point where. He's selling NFTs, baby. Yeah. Whatever generates the money. Yep. That's right. And, you know, in some small way, we probably have the TRS-80 to thank for the fact that NFTs are now a thing that's in our vocabulary because we need a PC to view them. So thank you, Radio Shack. Cameron, I'm going to go ahead and call the first episode of This Week in Tech History a success. I learned so much thanks to you and your obscure knowledge. So thank you so much for that. And I'm going to tell everybody, all my friends that I hang out with this weekend about the history of the first PC until I get removed from parties. So all in all, net positive from this conversation. Well, hope you have fun with that. Good luck. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. 
If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.